The Healthy Golf Podcast, Episode 26, with Andrew Roberts. Welcome to the Healthy Golf Podcast, a podcast designed to help you transform your golf game and your life. Join your host, Dr. Joe O, as he chats with experts on all things golf performance to keep you feeling great and playing your best on and off the course. All right. I know that we normally release episodes on Tuesday, but Andrew and I talk everything about the Masters, and it is currently Thursday, the first day of the Masters, and I wanted you guys and gals to listen to this before and while the Masters was happening, so please enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast, and as usual, this is our monthly edition of the Monthly Mash. Andrew, thanks for joining me. Uh, Thanks for having me again, Joe. It's always a good time. As always. Uh, And this week, it is Masters Week. So if you're listening to this, this will be uh, released a little bit earlier than usual. Um, I figured I'd try to get this one out before the Masters, since that's pretty much all Andrew and I are going to be talking about is the Masters, since that's, you know, going to consume the next four days of every golfer's life. Yeah, Um, so get your uh, pimento cheese sandwiches, chicken sandwiches, your traditional Masters fair um and listen to this episode because i know some of you guys are very traditional and superstitious so why not i usually have a pimento cheese sandwich i started that once i went to the south and i could find some pimento cheese um and then i have an arnold palmer with it so that's my that's my uh tradition for the masters yeah you should uh tell the viewers about how uh easy it was to find pimento cheese in maine (laughs) it's actually i actually yeah i actually found some so um not surprised oh i am surprised but the grocery store we normally go to there's like a fancy section of cheeses which i never stop at because i don't buy fancy cheese and it's there and i was like oh cool now i don't have to make it so i can just buy a little tub of it and i'll be good to go save save myself some time do they have pimento cheese in arizona yeah i'm sure they do I haven't looked that hard so you know <laughs> it's mainly around here it's like southwest mexican cuisine and like i mean there's other cuisines but that's all they pretty much talk about you know because you go here you go oh. to phoenix you go to yuma whatever i mean it's like tamale country so i'm not upset about well, it pimento cheeses not the healthiest of choices, but I mean, come on, it's Masters week. Yeah, and they come sell on. it for two fifty at the Masters. I mean, you can't. I know that's so so for, ridiculous. For a sandwich on white bread, yeah. I mean, and they sell like ice cream sandwiches, beer. They've got like a specialty popcorn. I saw because like golf.com put it on their Instagram, and I'm like, and they're like, if you had ten bucks, how would you spend this? And they showed the prices, and I'm like, yep. chicken sandwich, pimento cheese sandwich, probably an ice cream sandwich, and then I don't know other things but yeah um i was like that's pretty creative there i mean and that's the great thing about it yeah it probably obviously costs a lot to get tickets there but the concessions and the prices don't change on those which i think is fantastic for them to do and i i applaud them and you know they're i mean every major has its own flair to it we know the masters played at the same course they do a champion's dinner every year but the concessions are kind of the one thing that people also talk about is like you know, the, obviously the pimento cheese sandwich is one of the most mentioned things, but they haven't changed the prices either. I mean, that's great. Like you could, you could get a whole meal for like, they said like 10 bucks. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. That's, that is pretty crazy. When I first found out how the prices are still super cheap, I was kind of blown yeah. away, but I mean, yeah, it probably costs, you know, an arm and a leg and probably your first child to get in. If you do have yeah, to buy tickets, if you don't win. Yeah, and they get money from the the TV rights and everything and probably some other things, so, you know, I mean. Yeah. Well, from my understanding, too, all the, um, like, souvenir stuff is not super cheap either, basically. And when I see people, like, buy shirts and then resell them online for, like, a polo that's, like, 250 and I'm like, who's buying a polo for 250 bucks? But I'm sure people are. Oh, I'm sure, because Nike re-released that uh, Frank polo. I know, I saw that. 
Yeah. <laughs> I looked and saw it was like $75. It's like a little steep for me right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, maybe a pair of golf shoes, but not a not a polo. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, we'll get right into it. So Masters, I mean, I have the I have my list here of the top ten people at have, who have the best odds of winning in order, and it is Bryson, DJ, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Xander, Brooks, Hideki, Patrick Cantlay, and Terrell Hatton. So, do we think one of those guys is going to win, or is it going to be someone else? Well, it, it's it's very interesting. Okay, so obviously a lot of the fanfare this week is around Bryson. Bryson after the Shriners, we talked about this the last podcast, said he was going to test a 48-inch driver. He has it on the property, and he's been testing it with his swing coach, uh, Chris Cuomo. For those of you that don't know, Chris Cuomo did work with Tiger Woods for a little bit. I believe in the mid-2000s, he's working with Bryson and obviously some other players. So the question is, it's a softer golf course. So it's not as tight. It's not as firm as it is in April. That's one of the things they've been talking about is Aaron Dill, who's the titleist rep for Vokey Wedges, basically said players are adding bounce because they can get through the turf easier and things like that. So it's going to be interesting, number one, what lines is Bryson going to take, especially at 13, that big dogleg left par five. He, um, I think it was Tuesday, he hit three balls. He hit one with the big hook, one just over the corner, and one he took out the trees. And the one where he took out the trees, he ended up having a pitching wedge. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see the lines that he has. Um, and he's going to be a favorite one, obviously, because he bombs the golf ball. But number two, one of the things that Justin Thomas brought up in his uh, presser is he said, you know what, Bryson is not winning tournaments because he's 40, uh, 50 pounds heavier. And, and Justin said, I'm not going to bulk up that much. Even if I bulked up 10 pounds, I don't need to hit it 360, 370 to win golf tournaments, which is a valid point. But the other thing he brought up is Bryson DeChambeau is a pretty darn good putter. And we saw that at the U.S. Open. Those big, tricky, undulating greens, he navigated those better than anybody on the weekends. So if Bryson wins, he's going to putt well. Going through the others on the list, DJ, coming off a a COVID thing, played really well uh, rounds two, three, and four in Houston. He's going to be a favorite because he hits the ball well. If he can get that putter going, he's very familiar with it. Um, John Rahm is a, is a big favorite. A lot of people think he's one of the best players not to win a major. He's a great ball striker. Um, one thing we got to watch is his temperament, things like that. Obviously, sometimes that can hold him back, and that's, you know, that's the thing. Uh, the guy on the list that I think flies under the radar a lot, and maybe you agree with this, Joe, is Xander Shoffley. Xander Shoffley has been so good this year. He's been so consistent. He's had some chances in big tournaments. He almost won the CJ Cup a few weeks ago. Um, he, he's been playing well all year, and, and he's just great from tee to green. Um, Tyrrell Hatton, please bring out a hoodie this week. I want to see how the Masters Committee loves the hoodie. But he's been basically playing in America. He's only played like one or two tournaments in the European Tour. He won the BMW Championship, the flagship, and we all know the hoodie thing, but um, he's been playing great. Um, Brooks Kepka, Mr. Major, over the last several years, uh, he's gone back to some old equipment. Uh, he's put the old TaylorMade M5 in the bag. He played with the Sim last week. Didn't feel like it gave him anything. He's played with the Maverick Sub-Zero. He's going back to the old equipment to get the mojo. He said his body's feeling good. He's been putting in the hard work. Obviously, we know the man on that list that would want to win it the most is Rory. Rory would complete the career Grand Slam. He's been close before at the Masters. He's had a few meltdowns. So from that list, I could see any of those guys winning um, because they have all played well in this full season. Um, You know, we haven't seen DJ as much as we like because he got his uh, COVID diagnosis just before uh, the CJ cup and he couldn't play the CJ and the Zozo. So that was unfortunate, but he had a good start at Houston. So I could see any one of those top 10 players winning. And let's not forget to mention Justin Thomas, Mr. Consistent, uh, had three wins last year in the PGA tour. Um, and he's been playing pretty good for the most part, uh, in this fall season, but, uh, really likes majors, you know, former PGA champ. Um, but yeah, I think, any of those guys could win it. 
Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if someone outside the pack wins it. We've had uh, players come from outside the pack like Charles Schwartzel, uh, Danny Willett, um, Zach Johnson. So it, sometimes it's anybody's game, and it, especially with the way the Masters is now in November compared to April, um, that might be the case. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, all of those guys definitely have a chance to win, of course, obviously, but um, I would agree that I feel like we may even see someone not in that group of guys potentially win or at least be in the running in the final group on Sunday, potentially. And I would agree with you. I think Xander is probably one of the most underrated golfers right now. Not even just like underrated. Like I think everyone thinks he's really good, but people just don't even think of him when you like think of a great golfer right now. Everyone, you know, talks about JT, Rory, Mm -hmm. Brooks, DJ, no one, Almost everyone fails to mention Xander Shoffley, but he's been really good this year, and I think he has a good shot. We'll see if he can pull through. A lot of people are pulling for um, Patrick Cantlay. Um, They feel like he has a really good shot. Um, I think um, Webb Simpson, who's been pretty consistent this past year, has a pretty good shot, and I feel like a lot of people just let him fly under the radar as well. my long shot to win, I just like him. But Justin Rose, I mean, he's been close mm-hmm. a couple times and just hasn't been able to pull through. But he he has not been very good this year um, in terms of consistency at all. For the most part, he's missed a few cuts. Um, um, but he's still a great golfer. And I feel like the Masters just brings it out of a lot of people. They just, mm-hmm. you know, they know it's a major championship. It seems to have a lot of clout. It seems like a lot of over all the other major championship for whatever reason you know i mean it's the masters and people just people just show up um that's why i think anyone outside of those top 10 that we just talked about has a really good shot potentially at winning um but i'm sure most people are going to be uh heartfelt for tiger see if he can re you know go back to back this year win his what is it 83 83rd uh 83rd tournament and what would this be 15 or no major 16 16 okay he's tied right with jack yep is that right yeah no jack has 18 jack has 18 okay so still either way would be super crazy i'm sure you've seen this crazy stat right now that someone brandel chambly uh I think tweeted it and I saw it on Instagram, but, um, so when Jack won his sixth masters, it was 23 years after his first masters win. And he was ranked 33rd in the world going into that week when he won that masters. And the, the same thing holds true for tiger this week. Mm-hmm. It is 23 years after his first masters win and it would be his sixth if he does win it this year and he is currently ranked 33rd in the world, which is pretty wild. Um, If that happens, that would be crazy and probably the cure for 2020, but um, we'll we'll see how that goes. Yeah. The only difference is I believe tiger is, let's see. He's, he's like 44, 45. Jack was 46 when he won in 1980. Um, so it'd be a little bit different, but yeah, I, people are rooting for Tiger because this is a course that he knows so, so, so well. And he won his first mate. He won his first masters and major in 97 blew away the field. You know, Colin Montgomery said of that performance, I mean, he won by 12 shots. That's how good he was, you know? And, and the funny part that people forget is Tiger shot 40 on the front nine in 97 and he won shot 30 on the back. So he shot 70 the first day and he shot 40 on the front nine. I mean, how crazy is that? And then to just turn it on second, third, fourth. I mean, Kyle Montgomery said, I I don't know what golf course he's playing, but he's not playing the same course that we are. I mean, he just dominated it, but yeah, it's the lure of tiger. I will admit that was probably, I don't know. it, It might've been the best moment last year, 2019 of the golf world. I mean, Maybe you could argue Shane Lowry, you know, being Irish, winning the Open in Northern Ireland. But I think Tiger, you know, his his we didn't 
think he'd have a full-on renaissance. Then he wins the Tour Championship um, in 2018. We're like, okay, maybe Tiger's got some game. And then he wins the Masters in 2019. Uh, beats, you know, he got some help from Molinari and Kepka, and, and Shoffley finished tied for second. Once again, another Xander Shoffley reference. But uh, it, honestly, it was one of the best moments because we didn't know what Tiger had, you know, on the back nine where the Masters are won. Because people say 10, 11, 12 are the hardest holes on that golf course. And then you've got great opportunities, 15, um, 16 is an unbelievable tee shot. You know, we know what Tiger did on 16 several years ago with that chip in that looked like it was going to hang on the lip and it dropped in. And then 17 and 18 are, are obviously. And we, we just didn't know if we were going to see Prime Tiger. And we saw Prime Tiger again. And he wins. You know, he embraces his kids. You know, embraces his girlfriend, his mother. Um, and it, it was just probably one of the purest moments in, in golf of last year, if not the last decade, because, you know, it, it's Tiger and he had a fall from grace. But, you know, he had won two big tournaments in the span of six months, which was just amazing to see. It was. And I remember watching. And when he won, pretty, pretty sure I let out a, a little tear or two. Um I just thought it was pretty awesome to to see that happen again. Like you said, I mean, whoever thought that Tiger would kind of come back to Tiger of old almost and um, and win the Masters again. Um, but yeah, it was awesome. Hopefully, uh, we'll see what he can do starting tomorrow. He has an early tee time too, I believe, in mm-hmm. like eight something, I believe. Yeah, I think and, it's like uh, eight twelve or eight sixteen, something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty early. Um, we'll just see what he does. Hopefully, supposedly someone else I saw posted that Tiger likes to be two under after the first day or something along those lines. I don't know if that's for everything or just the masters. Yeah, I don't, you know, he's obviously if he shoots over par in the first round, I don't know. I think he may have won one masters when he shot over par, but usually the ones that he's won, he's shot one, two or three under in the first round. Um, yeah. So he wants to get off to a good start. I mean, right. You know, especially with the parody now in the fields. I mean, in the late nineties, early two thousands, mid two thousands, he could shoot over par and still think he could, uh, he could possibly win it. But now, I mean, with all the parody and all the, the good, um, up and comers or some of the veterans, like you said, the Webb Simpson won the 2012 U S open, uh, Justin Rose, who won a won a U.S. Open, um, some of those guys that are veterans, he he can't shoot over par because they'll lap it, you know. And they they changed the cut rule this year at the Masters. It's top fifty in ties. It's not if you're within ten strokes. So um, a little bit stingier. He can definitely make the cut, but he doesn't want to make the cut. He wants to defend. I mean, yep. so he he probably has to come out and shoot one, two, or three under tomorrow to. Uh, give himself a chance. And there's no question he can't because he, like I said, he's one of the best golfers that knows this golf course, you know, so well, very similar to like a Fred couples or, uh, um, you know, some of those guys that have played it hundred Phil Mickelson that have played it hundreds of times and have won and just know the nuances and the nooks and crannies of where to hit it, um, where slopes are, especially on the greens or around the greens, you know, and, and how to play things. And it's, you know, it's ingrained in his memory, but, you know, he's, he's got to go out tomorrow because he hasn't had a good start to 2021. So, But a lot of people, including Golf.com, think, you know, even though Tiger looks a little bit rusty, that he can come out and he can play really well at this Masters. Yeah, I would say so. And I think um, one thing that I read was that there's one little bit of a difference at the course this year. It's not super different, but the – and it's not consistent everywhere, but some of the rough is actually a little bit longer than it normally is. I believe that they were saying it's like an inch and three eighths or an inch and three quarters typically. And some of some of the areas on the course are longer than that. And they were mentioning like where and how that would play into like approach shots to the green. And obviously players are gonna have to club up and it's not anything close to what Wingfoot was like whatsoever, yeah. but a little bit longer than what's pretty typical for 
the Masters and Augusta Nationals. So that will be interesting to see. Um, to circle back to Bryson, um, right? I mean, he's going to do Bryson Bryson things, or is it probably planning to at least? Mm-hmm. I'm sure you saw that he went out earlier this week with Sandy Lyle, and Sandy said that I think none of his approach shots used an iron longer than a seven, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, what's, what's your take on that? Well, he's, he's trying to use his advantage. And, um, you know, obviously if we look at some of the holes, number one, he can hit driver three wood and probably have a wedge in, or maybe even an iron. Number two, he's going to hit driver, try to pound it down the hill. You know, don't be left because the Creek's on the left. Um, of that par five, he's going to go for that. Yeah, they said, I believe Sandy Lyle said the longest he had in was 185 on holes. So um, there's going to be holes, you know, uh, 11, uh, 13, 15, you know, 14, 17. He's probably going to pound driver. I mean, because most of those holes are straight or slight nuances. Um, you know, he's probably going to pound driver on four because that's a short par four and he's trying – most of the time players have been pounding driver and then uh, flipping a wedge up to that green that's elevated on a plateau. Um, I think most people are interested to see what lines he's going to take. Um, Cause they know he's long, but they want to see the lines he's going to take. Um, because Fred Ridley in his uh, state of the masters today said that uh, we're coming to a crossroads here and he doesn't like that uh, distance is a big part. But he said that Augusta has some contingency plans in place. So does that mean the golf course is going to get longer? It may. They may change some tee boxes. They may change some things uh, to combat this. But at least it sounded like it wasn't going to be like next year in the foreseeable future. But um, I think that's the interesting thing that people are going to look at is the lines that Bryson is going to take. He is going to take some lines that probably have not been taken ever at the Masters before. The question is, will they pay off? You know, you can do it in the practice round. It's more like, can you do it in the competitive round? Um, and if he does it in the competitive round, it could be a good omen for him. I mean, he's already won the U.S. Open this year in a very long golf course, um, somewhat tight. I mean, the, the Masters is tight more for the, the trees. Uh, Wingfoot was tight because of the width of the fairways. Now, the Masters fairways are not super wide either, but they're a little bit wider than Wingfoot, so... But I think the interesting thing people are going to watch are what lines is he going to take? What clubs is he going to take off the tees? Um, what irons is he going to have into par fives if he puts it in the fairway? I mean, he had a pitching wedge in 13 one day. I imagine on 15, he probably had a really short iron or a wedge in there too. Um, so those are the interesting things that we're going to see over the next two and if he makes the cut in the next four days. Yeah, I agree. And I think that all pretty much like you said earlier, all everyone has a good advantage potentially to play really well because the course is it's not as tight as it normally is in April. And um, they're talking about potentially record scores uh, this Masters potentially with how the course is playing. And I saw what you were talking about with Fred Ridley. My understanding that they want to make a change for a few years. And from what he was saying that they don't want to change too much in terms of the holes because they don't want to ruin kind of the thought that Mm. um, like Bobby Jones and I forget the other person's name who helped kind of like design the course basically kind of like ruin, you know, not change their thought process behind the each and every hole. They did buy a uh, golf course that was close by. And from my understanding that they could at least, um, like lengthen the 13th hole, like bring the tee boxes back, like you were saying, essentially, and, and lengthen that hole even more than what it already is. I don't know what what else they would change potentially, but um, we're not going to see it for at least probably two to three years, if, if at all. Who knows what's going to happen in terms of changes with distance. Um, but that would uh, also be interesting. I hope they don't change it too much because, I don't know, it's just... I don't, I, honestly, yeah, honestly, I don't think they're going to change a lot because of the 
the layout is already iconic as it is. I think they may change a few tee boxes. I think the thing that they would change maybe are some of the undulations and the greens or maybe some things around the green. Um, you know, they're not going to change, like, for example, they're not going to change 12 because it's already a tough enough hole as it is. I mean, Ray's Creek. I mean, Molinari dumped a ball in there last year. Kepka dumped a ball in there last year. Speed did it a few years ago. I think some of the the uh, the fringe roll off areas, things like that, of the greens, I think is what they would change. They may change a few tee boxes, but they're not going to change the shape of the hole. Thirteen, it's not going to go from like a dog leg left to straight. It's going to be a bigger dog leg, if if anything. Um, yeah. You know, and, and maybe be more visually intimidating, but. Um, you know, like yeah, like you said, they're not gonna they're not gonna change a whole lot. They haven't changed the course since two thousand six. So um, they changed it in two thousand two, and then they changed it in two thousand six. So um, with that pattern in mind, maybe twenty twenty two at the earliest is what I would think. But I don't. They're not gonna redesign the holes. They're not gonna. Right. They're not gonna completely redesign the hole. They they're gonna change nuances of it that they think might make it tougher, which mainly leaves the greens or around the fringes or adding a bunker or, or something or, or rolling slopes a certain way to goes down to a roll off area, collection area, something like that. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I think they would do. Right. Well, in terms of distance too, from my understanding, Phil has a longer driver in his bag this Mm -hmm. weekend. I think he's using 47 and a half and shaft and, Mm -hmm. Um, who else did I read? I feel like there's a couple of other people that are, are gaming some longer yes. drivers this week. Yes. Adam, Adam Scott last week at the That's Houston right. Open, uh, switched to a Titleist TSI four, which I'll tell you this, those drivers are really intriguing and I may, I'm looking for new drivers in woods, so I may try those out. Um, I've heard, great. I've heard many good things from people who have yeah. tested out those TSI and, uh, they love them. <laughs> that's, that's another topic, but, uh, they put, Adam Scott into a TSI four. They dropped the loft down. This is according to the Titleist tour rep. Um, I can't remember his name, but if you look at golf.com and golf WRX.com, um, it talks about him. They dropped the loft. He went to a 46 degree, uh, Fuji Corda Ventus. Um, it's an X flex red shaft. And he led the field last week in driving distance in Houston. And this guy is in his late thirties, I believe, or early forties. Might be in his forties, actually. That's crazy. Um, so he is gaming that this week. Phil Mickelson's got a forty-seven and a half inch uh, shaft in his Callaway Maverick. BJ Singh is testing out a forty-seven and a half inch shaft. Uh, we know Bryson's tested out a forty-eight inch shaft. Victor Hovland has tested out a, I think, a forty-six and three-quarter inch and a forty-eight inch shaft. I don't know if you brought them um, to the uh, campus. And there are numerous other people that are testing longer shafts. Phil said in his press conference uh, today that he believes the future of golf, most people would be playing 48 inch shafts. Now, for those of you wondering if 48 inch shafts are legal, they are legal under the United States Golf Association's USGA guidelines. And as long as the COR core of restitution is 0.830, as long as you meet both of those criteria, then it is a legal club for you to play. So, um, but yeah, a lot of these guys are testing longer shafts because they're looking for more distance. The downside of a longer shaft is it's not as accurate. Phil Mickelson in PGA Tour events that he's played this year has only been hitting 36% of the fairways, which is ranked 280th on tour. And obviously we know his, his lore in the Champions Tour, he's won his two starts that he's played, which is unbelievable. Um, but he has to be somewhat accurate at the Masters. He, he can't. He doesn't have to be super accurate. He doesn't have to be like a Brendan Todd or a Colin Cow or somebody like that. But he has to hit more than forty percent of the fairways. He's got to hit about fifty to sixty percent to give himself a chance. Um, but he likes the forty-seven and a half inch shaft. He was on um, Golf.com's Fully Equipped podcast talking about this. He said it. He feels like. There are certain shots for Augusta, and that's why he put the 47-and-a-half-inch driver because he feels like he can uh, manipulate the club and do the things he wants for these shots. 
The other interesting thing that he has put in the bag this week is he has a full set of Callaway Epic forged irons. Now, Phil Mickelson plays that in his four iron through, I believe, six iron, and then he has the muscle back, the the apex muscle back irons from seven to pitching wedge. So he has put an entire set of game improvement irons in his bag because he feels like he doesn't have to swing as hard and he can get that ball up and stop it quickly, which is what usually Augusta National calls for. So he's made a couple interesting equipment changes. So we'll just see if it pays off for him. Yeah, I think all of these changes are going to be interesting. And if if golf keeps going the way it's going, I'm sure people will be swinging longer longer driver shafts just to to continue to get an advantage, um, at least at least on the professional level. I don't know about amateurs for the most part. That may not be may not be too hot for for most of us. Um, but no. also, quick a quick fact check. Adam Scott is 40 years old. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the other thing that's been interesting is there are a lot of players this week. Not, not that this hasn't been regular. Um, I think this was done at the U.S. Open, too, at Wingfoot. A lot of players are putting seven woods in their bag. So 21 degrees, which is about the loft of a three iron, because they just want to get the ball high enough, especially on, like, par fives or just places where they need to hit longer shots. So Tommy Fleetwood has a seven wood in his bag that he's testing. He's testing out the new TSI two. He's also got an, uh, I think an M six from last year. Um, and there's a few other guys that are red that are testing seven woods for this week too. So we'll see if we put, if they put them in the bag tomorrow. I wonder with all of this, uh, equipment changes, if guys really enjoy, being on a, a specific equipment contract. I know like Brooks doesn't have an equipment contract, so he can just pick and choose whatever he wants. Whereas like Phil's with Callaway, right? So he's got to yeah. choose Callaway clubs. Not that there's anything wrong with Callaway, but I mean, if you want to probably try to figure out and like mix and match, that might be your best bet. Um, but I'm sure, you know, when you're signing a contract for lots of money to play one club, Sounds probably pretty good, let alone you, they're just going to give you all the stuff that whatever you want and need for your game anyway. Yeah, and that, and that's the interesting thing is they, they talked about this. When Nike Golf got out of the equipment game in 2016, a lot of these Nike guys became free agents. Well, we know Tiger and Rory signed with uh, TaylorMade. Uh, Francesco Molinari, who was with Nike, he signed with Callaway. You know, a lot of these other guys, but guys like Brooks Kepka, Rory McIlroy, Patrick Reed, uh, another guy, maybe a dark horse this week. I don't know if you'll agree. Paul Casey is a free agent, but so these guys are mixing and matching. For example, Brooks and Paul Casey both have Mizuno irons, but they're different models. Uh, Brooks plays the 919 JPX Tour. Obviously, we know there's a 921 JPX Tour model. He may switch into those. He's not comfortable with it yet. Um, Paul Casey, I believe, has MP5, but his uh, three and four iron are hot metal, which is a game improvement iron once again. So for those of you guys that think tour players are not um, using game improvement irons, you're wrong because they're trying to get the ball up just like the regular players, just they can hit it more consistent. Um, Patrick Reed had his own set of irons made by Grimeworks in Japan. So, yeah, they can they can mix and match. That's why Tommy Fleetwood... You know, he started the year off with a sim driver in two uh, M6 fairway woods. Now he's got a TSI 3 driver. He's testing out two uh, TSI 2 fairway woods. He's de- He said he's definitely going to put the TSI 2 uh, 15 degree 3 wood in. He's deciding between the M6, the TSI 2, and a sim max 7 wood possibly for this week. Uh, his 4 and 5 iron are Strixon uh, Z785. His Six through nine iron are the TaylorMade Tiger Woods set, but they're a Tommy Fleetwood grind. His wedges are all Callaway MD5 jaws. He's got a white hot putter. I mean, he's finding the best. And and look at how good he's been playing. I mean, he finished third last year in the order of merit for the European Tour, and he's always been very competitive in majors and everything. 
We know about Brooks Kepka. He's won four majors without an equipment contract. He's playing the M5 driver again this week, which is last year's model. He's got a tailor-made M2 high-launch three-wood that he's played for five years now. He still uses the Nike Vapor Pro driving iron. He tried a tailor-made uh, 790 UDI in the beginning of the year. He's got Mizuno irons. He's got Tylos wedges. He's got a Scotty Cameron putter. So a lot of these guys, they can just mix and match. They can go to the tour trucks. Uh, but like you said, compared to like a Phil or a Rory, they'll write an equipment contract, 13, 13, 14 clubs, plus if the company has a golf ball, which Taylor and Callaway both do. But, for example, Tony Finau is with Ping, and I believe his equipment contract is for 10 Ping clubs. So he's got a Peretti putter, he's got two Tylus wedges, and then he's got a Nike, another guy that's got a Nike Vapor Pro driving iron that he still uses. So he's met it within the 10 club limit. And some of those guys do that. Tyrrell Hatton has got two titleless wedges in his bag, but the rest of his bag is ping. So sometimes equipment contracts say all 14 clubs plus the ball. Sometimes they say 14 clubs, you can choose the ball or sometimes it's up to this many clubs and then up to 12, 13, 14 clubs. Once we get you tested over a year or whatever. So, right. um, but yeah, I, you know, the, the free agents and that's kind of the nice thing about amateur golf. Now there are some people in amateur golf that have full bags in the same company, you know, but there are a lot of people in amateur golf that have different bags because, you know, one set of irons may be better than the company's set of woods or whatever. So, um, that's kind of what I like too. Um, yeah you know, to mix and match and, and find what works best for you. But yeah, it's always interesting at, at majors or these golf tournaments to see what's in the bag and what they're testing and, you know, what they end up using. And sometimes they may use it for a couple of days, switch out the putter, switch out, you know, certain things. So, um, but it's always interesting to see that. It is. Yeah. And I, I'm just curious to know if like these guys that have the option to just choose, pick and choose, especially as the equipment continues to get better and change, you know, the guys that aren't on equipment contracts, if they tend to, you know, if it's easier for them to do a little bit better or maybe they have a harder time because they're switching so much. I don't know. It's just an interesting thought that came to my head as we were talking about it. You know what else? You know what else is interesting? I was reading a golf WRX article. Uh, Fred Couples the Phoenix plane is not too far from here. It's in Scottsdale. So it's about an hour and a half from here. Fred couples switched out. He was playing a tailor-made M3 driver. Um, I can't remember what fairway would, but he had a set of Bridgestone irons that were 10 years old. He switched into a brand new ping G four twenty five um, driver, which is not available to the public yet. It'll, I think they said it'll be available at the end of this year, or early next year. Um, and then he switched into a full set of irons because the Charles Schwab Cup was down at uh, Phoenix Country Club this weekend. Um, and then he was testing a set of Ping Glide wedges. And it's like Fred Couples has played the same equipment for, you know, some of these things are, I mean, his driver is only like four or five years old, but he's been playing a set of irons for 10 years when he used to be a Bridgestone staffer. And now he's a free agent. But that's always interesting to me. You know, like Steve Stricker is another great example. He, some of his like clubs are like at least five years old, but he, he plays so well. Like he's had the same Odyssey white hot putter for like 12 years or something. It's always interesting. Cause there, there are some guys that are tinkerers, some guys that that'll switch clubs or switch a certain number of clubs every year. And then there's some like Fred couples, Kepka, Steve Stricker, stay with clubs you know for years and years and i mean it is what it is daniel berger this year is a free agent he used to be a callaway staffer he was using a set of tailor-made mc irons that were from 2014 and they asked him what happens when a set breaks and he said i bought like the last four or five remaining sets on ebay i mean <laughs> that's that's how the links that these pros go to sometimes so yeah pretty crazy yeah. Uh, in terms of just some other Masters stuff, I'm sure you saw what Tiger served at the Champions Dinner. 
Yeah. Looks like some sort of uh, sushi was like the first course. Mm -hmm. And then they had uh, like a fajitas. steak burrito bowl, right? Oh, fajitas was a fajitas. Okay. Steak, yeah, you could do a burrito bowl or something like that. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I saw the menu. It was like a shrimp tempura sushi roll. Yep. Um, and then fajitas. And I know he had milkshakes and I can't remember milkshakes. the other thing. Can't remember the other thing that was there, but it was no, it was an interesting worry. it was an interesting combination because I think the it is inter- it was interesting. I think the year after he won it ninety eight, I think he did like burgers and fries and shakes. So it's it's interesting to see from like his first one and now his his fifth one. Well, slightly more refined. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, he's got kids now, and yeah, you know, he has mid forties. So yeah, yeah. Um, let's see what else. Other than that, I mean, who, who are you taking? Who are you, who's like your, who's, I love that you're putting, who's your, who's your take? Who's your like, I love that you you asked me first on this. Um, well, who else am I going to ask, man? I'm taking the field now. Um, (laughs) boy. Well, I'll go. Okay. I'll go. Okay. Pick, so I'll, I'll give you my pick and I'll give you a couple dog courses. No. Yeah. Um, that's what I want. I want to, I want some options here because okay, I want to okay. hear, I want to <laughs> hear something. Um, my pick is John Rob. And, and the reason, because he's such a good ball striker and that is a ball strikers course. Um, he's had two hole in ones this week. I don't know if you've seen that. He skipped one off the pond on 16. I think he had that was one crazy. On, didn't he have one on like 12 or something on Monday? Because he had the yeah, skip he had two back to back, basically. Yeah, yeah, and, it, and it's his birthday today too. So yeah, I'm rolling it. I just like him because he's a great ball striker and he's a streaky putter, um, and he'll get it done. Uh, my two dark horses, number one, Xander. Love Xander. Uh, I think um, horses for courses. He plays tough courses well. The CJ Cup was a very tough course at Shadow Creek. That uh, he played well. He plays the Tour Championship um, very well. And my second door course is Patrick Cantley. Uh, he played great at the Shriners. Once again, horses for courses. Um, he seems to be putting it together. Winner of the Zozo this year, coming from behind. He's not intimidated. Um, you know, he had that issue early on in his career, missing cuts, a broken vertebrae in his back. But now he's one of the most consistent players on the tour. I would love to pick Rory. But I think he's just a little too inconsistent right now. I, I think if Rory won, it would be a great story. I would love to pick Brooks, too. I think he's a great pick. But I think with the injury thing, I think he's still going to be a little bit rusty. But he shows up in majors. And also, folks, yes, I would love to pick Bryson. But winning back-to-back majors is difficult, unless your name's Tiger Woods in the mid-2000s. So, um, yeah, I'm going to take John Rahm with my pick. And my two dark horses are Xander and uh, Patrick. What do you got? Awesome, man. So I'm just, I feel like I don't like this pick, but I do at the same time. Like, I'm just going to go on, with Justin put it Thomas. Out there, the people are going to see it tomorrow. Yeah. Come on. I'm going with Justin Thomas, man. Yes. I mean, love it. Love it. Mr. Consistent, right? I mean, you said it earlier. I mean, he's well, and, for the and past. The other, thing, the other thing to think about, and this is what I've heard every, almost most commentators have said this he is an outstanding wedge player. So, you think about all those holes getting to some tight pins and he's a, and, you know, he's a pin seeker with those wedges that could really work out well for him. Cause he, he from one twenty five and in, he is so good. He's just, and, and he's got all the shots with those wedges too. Not he that does. anybody else does, but he seems, he seems to know how to flight it. He seems to know, you know, when, when to fade it, maybe you touch a draw, hit it straight, you know, things like that. And that is a course that you need to do that on, on a lot of holes too. Yeah. He's just so good. Like whenever I do have a chance to watch mm-hmm. him on TV and just like watch him play, I'm just like, like exactly what you said. Like those wedge shots are close, you know, really short shots to the hole. He's just incredible. And then mm-hmm. I do think though, that once he gets a little flustered, he gets flustered pretty easily and then it's hard for yeah, him to come back. And, and, yeah. And he's a little bit like my pick, John Rahm when, when, I don't know how much it affects them, but it affects it affects both of them. Um, and JT, his his putting is 
not that it's been sketchy, but it hasn't been good as in recent years. He's working with a new putting coach uh, since the CJ Cup. So, um, but maybe he's got it figured out now. Um, you know, but I, I just love his wedge game. His wedge game is just is top notch. Um, and that's one thing that if he's hunting somebody down in the back nine, he's gonna he's gonna use those wedges and try to, you know, get after pins. Whether he has to hit a third shot into thirteen, you know, um, a, a good iron into twelve. You know, there. I mean, 15 if he has to hit a wedge in there, stuff like that. So, um, I, I like that pick. Yeah. And then I guess my two dark horses. First one is still going to be Webb Simpson, I think. Okay, I like that. He's yeah. been he's been good. He's been pretty on this past year. Um, I think he well, won. He won, he won one, two. One. The, two? Was last, it two? Last year, Waste Management finished open down here in uh, the yep. RBC Heritage. And right. weight management, you know, I know, I've seen that course. DPC Scottsdale don't have to be an accurate driver, uh, but he put on a ball striking clinic. Um, and then the Heritage, he was accurate and put on a ball striking clinic. Masters, you need to hit it fairly straight and put on a ball striking clinic, and he could definitely do that. Um, and he's been putting pretty well, too. Um, you know, he did the belly putter, and then with the band, now he's doing the arm lock, and that seems to be working for him, too. Yep. So I like him. And then I'm going to go with what I said earlier, Justin Rose. I think, mm-hmm. you know, he's been here plenty of times. He's been close enough two times. I think he's finished in second. Yeah. And, he um, I, I don't know. I think maybe this, this might be his time. Who knows to well, pull it through. We'll see. Well, but all three of those picks are major champions. So they, they know what to right. do. Um, yep. it's just, it's been a little while. I mean, JT, obviously the closest in 2017 with the, the PGA, um, but yeah, Rose and, and Simpson are major champions and they've, they've, all of them have still won tournaments and they know how to win tournaments. So it's not like it's going to go away. It's just sometimes can you get the breaks and how good are you playing? You know, um, all three of the guys that I picked did not have not won a major, but you know, I'm taking a risk and going out on the limb. Um, well, like you said, I mean, Rom. Rom is close, right? He's probably, oh, there's like, no question. he's been, one of the personal no questions. He's been close and he's won. Tournaments on the PGA and European Tour. Um, you know, Cantley was the rookie of the year back in 2018 after winning the Greenbrier in the Tour Championship. And, you know, he's, conti- I mean, 2016, excuse me, and won, you know, pretty much every year. And uh, Cantley's just been really consistent over the past three or four years. Um, you know, he's won the Memorial. He's won the Zozo. He's won, you know, Las Vegas a couple times. So he's won some tournaments with good fields. So. Um, yeah, it's just going to be interesting. Uh, thankful that the Masters was able to play this year. Um, and, you know, they get the spotlight for the next two, this this November and then in April next year. So, um, yep. but obviously kind of a, a parting thought is these golf courses, going back to him, suit Tiger Woods because he knows the Masters well. The U.S. Open is at Torrey Pines, and we remember what he did there last time, playing on a, a stress fracture and a torn ACL to outgut Rocco Mediate. So, um, not saying that Tiger will win any of those, but those are three. Those are three opportunities that, considering his window is starting to close a little bit, um, he should be licking his chops for. You know, because he's got good memories at all three at both of these courses. So. Not, yeah. not saying he's my pick to win, but I, I, it's still intriguing. No. So. Yeah, he's definitely not my pick to win, but he's you know he's my he's my heart pick. He's he's who I want to well, who I'd a, like to see win. Yeah, he's everybody's heart pick because you know part of the reason most people started golf was because of him. I mean, this generation that's playing right now started because of him, yeah. um, and everybody just wants to root for him because of how good he was and how dominant. And then he fell from grace, and then he won. You know, he's won three tournaments since he's, you know, in in three pretty good tournaments too. So, I mean, he if he gets in a rhythm, I mean, he could be good. That's the question is, can he get in that rhythm, you know, considering he's played a limited schedule the last couple of years. And, you know, obviously the back is still a question mark for him. But, you know, we everybody roots for him. Right. Yeah. And I would go too with your other one with Rory. I mean, I think it would be awesome to see him yeah. win. I, it would, he could complete the career grand slam. Um, 
But, it, you know, like I said, I just, uh, you know, if he plays well, great. If he wins, great. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know. I mean, he's had chances there. Um, and, and he's got a new outlook on life, you know, obviously with a, a, a daughter now. Um, and, you know, creating his mindset. But I think he, he likes it around that course. It's just sometimes I think he tries too hard to win it. Um, but maybe his mindset has changed and maybe he can, he can possibly put it together, but who knows? I mean, we'll see tomorrow. That's the exciting thing. Folks, if you're not watching the masters, something's wrong with you. Um, yeah, ESPN, ESPN, the first two days, CBS, Sunday. (laughs) Yep. And if, um, if you download the masters app, you have a thing called my group. And basically you can just select players that you want to see every shot for. And basically they'll just serve it up to you on a platter. So you you can miss the people you don't want to see. Like, I don't even know some of the amateur guys that are in there. Hideki. Probably. No, no, just kidding. I love Hideki. Yeah. Um, yeah some, of the, <laughs> some of the amateurs, maybe some of the guys you're unfamiliar with, but it, you know, if you want to watch the, the Justin Thomas's Rory's like he right. said, one of, yep. one of the best inventions that the masters did a few years ago to make this app. So, make it more accessible to the public. So good job there. (laughs) Also, apparently they're supposed to have some, some drone, some drone shots of like par threes. Supposedly there's some options for that. Apparently yeah. Jim Nance said that somewhere, I think. Well, Um, if if Jim Nance says it, he better live up to it because we know the record. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, maybe they won't, maybe they won't. I think that'd be cool, but you know, there's plenty of way. What we're saying is there's plenty of ways to view it this week. So, Pretty much, yep. So get your chicken sandwiches, get your pimento cheese, and uh, get ready. Yeah. All right, guys. Until next time, take care. Thanks for listening. And uh, thanks for joining me, Andrew. Yep. Uh, Guys, just uh, wanted to say any questions, comments, any topics you want us to cover on the monthly mash or individuals you want Joe to interview, go ahead and send him stuff in the group on Facebook. Um, on Facebook at his personal page on Instagram or my Facebook page or Instagram. Um, we're always looking for suggestions, always looking for topics to cover. So don't hesitate. There's no thing too silly because we know the world of golf is pretty wide and expansive. So uh, once again, uh, go ahead and do that. We're not scared of covering topics that we don't cover regularly. That's it. Send them in, folks. Till then, enjoy Masters Weekend. All right, we hope you enjoyed that episode. Like Andrew said, if you would like to ask us a question or make some suggestions on what we should be um, podcasting about, feel free to drop that into the Facebook group to join the Facebook group. The link is in the show notes. But with that said, thank you guys for listening. Hope everyone enjoys the Masters. Keep working hard, keep striving for excellence, because when you feel great, you golf great.